Welcome to the Word of Christ, sermons from Pastor Sean Denzer, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. The epistle is from the letter to the Hebrews, the ninth chapter. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new testament, so that those who are called may receive the promised inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first testament. This is the word of the Lord. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. John. At that time, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, He will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. 
And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Is it fair to say that we live in angry times? Just think of all the news stories and the social media explosions in the past year or in this calendar year only. We just rush from one angry outburst, one horrible situation, one bitter injustice to another, don't we? And the internet only makes it happen all faster and with more intensity. And our anger is hopelessly tangled with sin and self-righteousness, and yet buried somewhere near the bottom of our anger is something that's right. It's our human sense of justice that just doesn't go away. We know a wrong when we see it, or at least we think we do, and we know that some actions require condemnation and rightly stir up wrath in those people who can do something about it. Here's such a situation. The treatment of Jesus in today's Gospel. The Pharisees and the scribes cannot convict Jesus of sin, and yet still they are attacking Him. They can't disprove Him. They can't argue honestly with Him. They have to resort to name-calling, but still they refuse the truth that He says. Name-calling against God's Son. You're a Samaritan. You have a demon, Jesus. And they're even prepared to murder Jesus. In the temple, no less. Now that's a great injustice indeed. And we hear the prophetic prayers of Christ in today's Psalms. Vindicate me, O God, judica me, judge me, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from these violent men. Jesus is the incarnate, I am, of the Old Testament. He's neither capable of sin, nor is anyone able to convict Him of ever having it. And still they prepare to kill Him, as if they could take the life of from the Lord of life. This then is the beginning of Christ's passion. That is, the beginning of His suffering. Now if you and I are able to recognize and claim justice, if our age gets angry to see innocent people suffering or wrong being perpetrated, then why is it at the same time that the wrath of God against sin is such a hard thing for us to admit and recognize. Sin and God's wrath are, that's very unpopular talk these days. And yet human anger against hate and injustice, that's everywhere, isn't it? And the only difference is that when we lose the recognition 
that God's wrath and God's justice actually hangs over all of our human heads and over every sin, then there's very little to keep us from just attacking each other constantly. Life without the fear of God reduces to little more than power struggles among humans. That's why politics has taken on such religious zeal. Now my point is this, that God's wrath is not hard to believe in. It's an easy conclusion, and anybody who tries to forget it is foolish. Honestly, theologians are the most to blame, since most of them, for the past hundred years or so, have done their absolute best to quietly tuck away all of the old views about God, the ones that he said about himself, by the way, even as humanity demands, as a matter of justice, the right to create our own selves as we choose, right down even to choosing the pronouns that we use for ourselves, God, we deny Him that courtesy. Now that's foolhardy, isn't it? No, it's worse, Jesus says. You do not understand what I am saying to you because you cannot bear to hear my word, He says. You don't believe me because I tell the truth. Jesus is saying that the apple does not fall far from the tree. It is the devil who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So you are of your father. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. You know, I've often heard this accusation against Lutheran pastors that they always talk about how bad we are and never about all the good things that we do. May be true. Even so, I have never heard any Lutheran pastor speak as boldly as Jesus does in today's gospel. I've never heard a pastor call his hearers people of the devil. And you know what? Being angry at the minister really is only further evidence that his preaching might be right on target. And that's precisely the point that I'm making today. Wrath. Anger. We get that. We do it a lot. And we understand deep down if God were wrathful at us. The preacher who warns of wrath does well. And if you and I are afraid of angry mobs or of inconveniences or of shame or of hard days ahead or of embarrassment or of human disappointments... We have to know that these are not our real trouble. No, God's wrath, God's wrath is the real threat. That's what we should fear. It's not hard to comprehend or get it. The difficulty is that it is impossible to get out from under it. Where can a sinner like you or me get the boldness to pray, Vindicate me, O God! How foolish! It is when people try to use that phrase, God will be my judge, as a shelter against the accusations of our sin. Of course, God will be our judge. Most certainly, He will. And when He judges, He will judge correctly, accurately, precisely, 
and incontrovertibly. That means that there will be no nice face exception, no nice family, no nice hard-working people, no, well, you were good-intentioned, no, well, life was really hard on you, wasn't it? None of these exceptions are going to be factored into God's judgment. Now, please, don't tune me out, especially if you've ever complained that preachers talk too much about this stuff, wrath and sin. Because I assure you, no preacher of the gospel that you have ever had or ever will have wants to stop there. But we must begin there so that we will recognize that we cannot pit just anything against God's wrath. We cannot hold an umbrella up and it'll go away. We cannot imagine that it doesn't exist and we'll feel better about ourselves and everything will be fine and leave it to judgment day to find out. You know exactly what the judgment will be if you do that. His anger at our sin, His wrath, is no injustice. That's the problem. And anyone who knows their sin, anyone who's been brought to feel that weight bearing down on you, becomes desperate to know, how? How can I stand before the Lord's judgment despite my sins? And there's only one answer that is possible. That is the answer, dear Christians, that is all over today's readings. We see the pattern of sacrifice and substitution in Abraham with his son Isaac. How the Lord provides a ram in place of Isaac. Yes, indeed, the Lord provides Himself as a sacrifice, my son. Jesus says that Abraham, in today's text, saw Jesus' day in that event and he was glad about it. And I am happy to say that you too have reason to be glad. You have a reason that I am confident your preachers in the past also have been telling you whenever they got a little bit wrathful in the pulpit. You only have to know and believe that the reason and the answer is not yourself. And that's what we want it to be first. The reason and the answer and the solution to God's wrath is not that you also do many good things. It is not that you compensate for your injustices in some other way. Maybe by hating Nazis or by getting wrathful over the right political injustices. No. The only salvation, the only rescue from what is coming to us is Christ and Him alone. Our epistle from Hebrews calls Christ the high priest of the good things that were to come and that not have now come. Yes, no one convicts Him of any sin, as Jesus said to the Pharisees today. He is the good person whose good works we want to talk about. Jesus is. And we speak about them not because we need a new or better example of what goodness and justice would look like. No, we speak about them because we know that this one lays down His perfect life in substitution 
for our imperfect lives. We know that Christ escapes the rabble in that temple today only so that He may live to die another day. So that He may go to the cross for us and lay down His life willingly. He he trades His goodness for our sin. He does it by accepting the very thing that we hate so much, He receives injustice. He, the only sinless man ever to live, the only one who could have asked God to vindicate Him by what He had done. This one gives Himself over to a sinner's execution. Jesus' death is the true injustice in this world. All of our injustices are always in some way either imagined or usually overstated. But there's no overstating the case that God cannot die. God must not die. He should not die. Certainly, His sinless man, this Son, should not fall under His Father's wrath. But here's the amazing thing. God wills that very deed. And He accomplishes it in Jesus Christ. The Father accepts as a sacrifice Christ's death in place of us. And He pours out His wrath, all of it, that real and true divine wrath that we can't escape. He has put that onto Jesus in our place. Wrath we get, but mercy, mercy, the mercy of our high priest Jesus Christ, that is the truly surprising and unexpected news. That is what we call the gospel. The way that God has provided to get us out from under His own wrath. Christ entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves and rams, but by means of His own blood. What blood? God's blood. Thus securing an eternal redemption. He bought us back from sin with His own life as the price, a priceless, perfect price, laid down at the cross. Christ offered Himself without blemish to God to purify your consciences from dead works to serve the living God. He takes away the wrath of God and bestows upon you His righteousness, His rightness with God again as a gift. And that, and that alone is the good that a preacher has to preach from this pulpit. The gospel is not that God is okay with you just as you are, and so He leaves you to live your own life. No. But the gospel is that God has given Christ to declare and to make all things right again, bringing you into His eternal life. Yes. He does not get off your back. Actually, He comes even closer to you to pit His mercy against His own wrath, to appease it and to remove it from you. And He draws near to forgive your sins. Christ is the high priest of good things, the good things. He is the mediator of a New Testament. 
Yes, it is the New Testament in Christ's blood alone that can vindicate sinners like me and you. It gives us an escape from judgment and wrath, which ought to come. No one is right before God by doing enough, by being good enough before Him. But by Christ's sacrifice, by His blood alone, now our case is acquitted. It is pleaded to the end. O send out Thy light and Thy truth, let them lead me, let them bring me unto Thy holy hill and to Thy tabernacles. Put away your anger, O saints, which can never produce the righteousness of God. And instead, fear His wrath, repent of your sin, keep His law, which is never a joke, but delight most of all in the truth of the gospel even more. The light and the truth of Christ leads us to where He has been led, to His holy hill, where the Lord did not hide at all, but was hanged as the world's salvation on the wood of the cross. And that leads us also to the Lord's tabernacles, that is, to the means by which He delivers this salvation and forgiveness to us and, yes, dwells with us still. He leads us to His holy word and to the blessed New Testament in His body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Thank you for listening to The Word of Christ. You can find more sermons at verbachristi.blogspot.com and if you have need to contact Pastor Denzer, you can email him at pastor at denzer.org. That's P-A-S-T-O-R at d-a-e-n-z-e-r dot o-r-g. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Amen.